We're off. Oh, baby. <laughs> well, we haven't really sat down in a little while because we stockpiled a few. We got a, we had a lot. That was all all that NASCAR stuff, Rooster, Billy Jack. That was all piled up in one beautiful swing. So I feel like as we've been talking about some things for our upcoming podcast, this might be a little bit of a a salad buffet type situation, a little <laughs> kind of all over the place. <laughs> There you go. You got some things to talk about. Uh, you yeah. got some things to talk about. Yeah, we've I, got Rooster on here. I have nothing to talk about. Look over the old bandit Rooster. Got a new scarf for Christmas. Christmas. Check that out. Oh, Doesn't look good. Looks really good. Well, consider yourself color commentary then. If you have nothing to talk about, just uh, how about just visual commentary? <laughs> <laughs> Rooster's actually dealing with a little bit of fame himself right now. We had a funeral we went to this morning. Went up and sang for a, for an older gentleman from church that passed away. It was in a community where I'm just not super tied into the community. Know a few of the people up there, but a little over an hour away from here. And we're walking back to the car after the graveside. And then we hear someone say, rooster, rooster. And that's when you know, because we refer to him, you know, on YouTube and on the podcast. And we do around the ranch here. But when some strangers yell in rooster, you know that it's someone that somewhere at some point has come oh. across the roost. So Roost is like, what? Turns out he's got a fan from up there. Been watching him on the old YouTube. Oh, man. Nice. So he's, he was not much of a fan of me. He was a fan of you and yeah. Luke. Nah. He was a fan of Rooster. So before we do that, we want to give thanks to someone today. Oh, yeah. Hotshot Secret. We've mentioned Hotshot Secret once or twice on the podcast. Yeah. You, I know you've talked about them on your YouTube channel. Right. We've talked about gel diesel mm -hmm. a number of times. And the secret you and I have to prevent gel diesel is Hotshot Secret product. Yeah. We have talked about it. We use it. And you've used it for been like years. four years probably now. Yeah. And Hotshot Secret was kind enough to send us some product. Yeah. So we're going to reciprocate and tell all of you. This is the product to use. It is. It's what I use. It's my secret to success. Not only does it keep my rig running, keeps my beard growing beautiful and red. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, as, as Jackson has picked up a little bit of momentum with his YouTube channel and we're gaining some traction with the podcast, there are companies and people that reach out wanting to sponsor or, or have a influencer affiliate yeah. programs yeah. partner with us. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to waste listeners time with stuff that we don't care about yeah or we don't use or we don't believe will work hot shot secret again you, you, before you even filmed a youtube video you were using this product right yeah way back when the reason we want to bring this to you is because it it's legit and we use it i have no intention or no need to bring things to people that i don't find a use for myself i've been lately been getting flooded with offers to partner on online multiplayer games. A lot, you check my email and they're like, hey, Age of Wizards or whatever, I don't know. And they're like, would you promote this? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm so against that kind of thing. <laughs> like, there's no way. No, thank you. But you might be into that. That might be something you do and would want to push. But no, Hotshot Secret, I, it's kind of fun because I, I, heard about them wherever years ago and their two main products that i love and i use is their everyday treatment which i feel 
I found in my experience gives me a little better fuel mileage in my semi and keeps my keeps my injectors running good. So I use that. They have this injector cleaner that's you know insane. And we'll probably talk about it more and tell you some more specific stories sometime about it. But just it's one of those rare outfits where you use the stuff and it's not like you know mumbo magic and this is what's frustrating about their products is that's where they are in the stores when you go and you like go into you know i think they're in o'reilly's auto parts or like tractor supply you walk in there and it's like the one shot magic drop for all your problems you have bad fuel mileage you have a leaky transmission you have a hole in your gas tank all three of those things put this in there and it's gonna fix it all all at once and the next to that is like hotshot secret injector cleaner. And I'm like, no, you guys, it, those are not the same. Get yeah. them on their own. So right now in the winter, this is all you use right. when you're out there in 50 below weather driving. Yep. On the ranch, 50 below weather, feeding cattle, running tractors. Rooster. Yep. Rooster, my little operation, it's what I use. And I... I have gelled with everything else I've tried. I've never gelled with, with Hotshot Secrets. So we think this is the stuff. Yep. And is, uh, you know, being winter, that's the product of choice for us now. Going into to summers, there's some other products that, that we use, and we'll, we'll yeah. probably talk about that. Is this what you use to use your big, treat your big diesel tank as well? That is what I do. I made the fatal mistake. That's all farm diesel. So all the tractors and skid steers use that. But my pickup, I... I stay totally legal and by fueling down. I gelled up last week with my pickup. I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't, I didn't I put didn't that together it. till now. His pickup, of course, because Rooster is honest and good and doesn't run red dyed diesel in his pickup. So the big bulk tank is treated with that, with Hot Shots winter treatment. So we need to explain what this is. A lot of people probably don't know what red dyed diesel is. Yeah, that's true. So red dyed diesel is untaxed diesel. So... All the fuel that you, I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but all the fuel you buy every day and whenever that you put in your car, your pickup, your semi, whatever, it has a highway tax already added to it. When you buy a gallon of gas, you're paying so many cents per gallon in tax. It's built into the cost. But they came up with this in forever ago, and been doing this forever, this little loophole for off-road vehicles like tractors, you know, skid steers, whatnot, construction equipment, things that aren't operated on a highway that don't need to be taxed because they're never going to be on a highway. So they take the fuel tax off and that like with red ID. So it's usually, it's not quite a dollar a gallon cheaper, but it's like 70 ish, 50, 60 yeah. cents. You know. It kind of varies from state to state, but yeah, it's just untaxed. So what rooster does at the ranch here is they have a big freestanding tank mm -hmm. and they bring out and fill that with red dyed diesel. Yeah. And so throughout the year, all of the farm machinery is fueled here on the place with the red diesel one of the problems you can run into with red dye diesel which i've experienced is in the winter the diesel itself the gas stations is treated because it's cycling through i mean every couple days there's a semi that refills the tanks they're treating that diesel to make it more resistant to gelling mm -hmm. just as it is out of the just gas from station. the factory yeah from the refinery um, but the red dye diesel they don't treat it for winter some do here they will but well, not, not with where I'm the, at. They don't because they say they don't. Sell they tell you to they don't worth really it because Jeez. mine all gelled up. See, I think our company here does. Town pump does. Oh, but, they do, okay. but it's not 
it's not enough. It's not like the road. It's different. I, I yeah, think because I different. gelled up using that compound yeah. diesel, which so, is supposedly good to so what, below. What Roost is saying here is that he got the treated diesel. When we say treated, we're not saying supplemented with an anti gel. We're talking about the treated diesel from from the, the refinery pump into the vehicle. Yep. yep. Roost got that and he gelled up, but his red dye diesel, which is treated much less intensely mm-hmm. or wintered. Hot shot secret was put into that tank and have not gelled up farm equipment on that. Right. And that's the stuff we use. I mean, every day the tractor's feeding cows. So and it's it, just those life. You know, I mean, you, you look at those and it's like, man, what, I mean, what more are you looking for? <laughs> like, so anyway, hot shot secret. Thank you for sending us some, some products. Yeah. It will not go on a shelf. It will not go on a shelf. <laughs> it's going right into the vehicles. Oh, for sure. Speaking of vehicles, we were on our way to, oh, I was on my way to fly. I had to go pick up, I, I bought a used pickup in Nevada and had to go grab it last week. And on our way, well, the night before my flight took off, I get a text from Delta that says, your flight is canceled. And this is after I've already dealt with some problems with this flight from the past couple of weeks. So I just want to go get this pickup and get it home. So anyway, and they say it's canceled and I'm like, I'm not giving up. So I reroute my flight from Billings to Great Falls because Great Falls did not have a weather cancellation. On my way to Great Falls, we were dealing with freezing rain because the winter here turned from, you know, whatever episode we were talking about, my horrible ground blizzard experiences. We went from 50 below windshield to now it's like 50 degrees out there. Just amazing. So the problem now is we get like (laughs) freezing rain every night because it doesn't snow anymore. It rains and then freezes every night. So we're having like this strange occurrence of that constant freezing rain. Anyway, on our way to Great Falls early in the morning, freezing rain. So I'm doing the thing, being careful in no road spray. All I'm using all the signs, all the clues, everything I've learned all my years. And I'm the ship is we're doing good. Get closer to Great Falls. And this always happens so fast. I look in my mirror. I just notice a presence in my mirror as I'm driving straight. And I look in my mirror and a car is coming out past me. But instead of passing me, they continue to just do this and turn completely sideways. <laughs> so now we're like perpendicular like this going down the road. You made a T. Yeah. yeah. I'm going like this and they're sliding sideways down the road. Of course, they're starting to slow down. So now I'm, you know, I start putting some distance between. We had all the kids and Haley and everybody else like, guys, look, look, look behind us. And I'm going, oh no, oh no, oh no. This car's been following me since from Lewistown all, I mean, for 80 miles. And I was, I was driving about 55. It was, and even that was just a little, but I was trying to make this plane and oh, it straightens back out and then overcorrects and this and that. And then finally it catches traction. But when it does, they're positioned perfectly to shoot off out into the borrow pit down through the borrow pit, up through the barbed wire fence. They did not roll. I was just waiting for the car to roll over, at which point, of course, we would have had to stop and would have been bad. But uh, no rollover, good cell service. So we, we kind of moved on down the road. I tell one of my truckers this story. He's an older gentleman that trucks for me, the Silver Fox, we call him. And he's like, he called me yesterday. He's like, hey, didn't you tell me a story about a car going, like trying to pass you and getting all crazy? It's like, yeah, yeah, over by Geyser. He's like, I get home yesterday and my neighbor's like, Hey, come out and look at my car. And he goes out and here's this car that is all hanks. Like it's all scratched up and bumpers are falling off and running boards are hanging loose. And he's like, they told me the story about that. They were 
following this car to Great Falls and they lost control and they went off in the ditch. It was, it was Hank's neighbor. And so I was like, oh no. I'm like, did they say anything about like me? Did they feel like I was somehow like, we followed this guy driving two miles an hour all the way across and then finally decided to pass him. And the story goes like, you're going to love it. He goes, I never should have allowed this, but I let my wife drive that morning. And he goes, my wife's driving. And I was on my phone, which is funny because they're, you know, retired. They're on their way to a grandchildren, their grandkids hockey game or something. And he goes, I'm on my phone and I feel the car start to accelerate and move. And I look up just in time to see that my wife has decided to pass the car that we've been following safely for 80 miles. He goes, just as I'm going out to say, <laughs> no, he goes, the whole car turns sideways like this. And we start going all over and. He goes, we shot out through the fence and all that. But just, just that, going off the road, down through the ditch and through a barbed wire fence, $14,000 of damage to their little all-wheel drive. Oh, so, man. Anyway, just funny because we've been talking about this. So it seems like every podcast, it's like winter this or winter that. But So that, that same storm system that you're talking about that did that freezing rain, two days after that, I ran into some guys from Fort Benton. And so Fort Benton, Montana, is down along the Missouri River. And so the, the highway to get to Fort Benton is up above the town. And to get into the town, you have to go off of the highway and you drop down kind of into the, the river bottom. Yeah, and this is where Lewis and Clark traveled through here, just to give you a little geographic, you know. And so to get into Fort Benton, you drop into it, or to get out of Fort Benton, you have to climb up out of it uh-huh. to get up to the highway. And those guys said that everyone woke up and no one could leave Fort Benton. No one could get up the hills because the ice was... So, but I imagine if someone chained up, they may make it, but they're just stuck. Said, the whole town was stuck till about two in the afternoon until that ice burned up where they could get up the hill. He said a lot of cars wrecked trying to get out of there. Oh, no one could get out of Fort Benton. I believe it. You know, one little trick that could take care of that. And I saw this happen in that Billings that healed down from their airport. Uh-huh. It was so slick that snow plows were backing up the hill and spreading sand. Oh, from the bars. They're coming up in reverse and spreading sand. So when they're, wheels get the sand they were just giving themselves oh. traction all the way to the top interesting that's some old school wisdom right there that's the only time i've ever seen a snowplow come spreading sand in backwards. backwards huh that's pretty smart though yeah. yeah i just remembered that i was supposed to tell a story i think i'm two episodes late on sharing this winter tip about getting stuck getting drifted into the truck stop did you ever come across this video Yes, hold it before you get to that i, I yeah. gotta tell you one more okay. crazy okay. car yeah. thing that happened to me driving <laughs> over here today today yeah, so just west of Eddie's Corner, going towards Great Falls, you'll climb up that hill mm-hmm. and it goes into a double passing lane. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Okay. Yep, right before the feedlot. So I was behind two semis and then me, and I'm pulling this trailer and I come down the hill and three or 400 yards before the double passing lane, Fergus County High School, Lewistown's bus goes to pass someone just right before the his side goes into double pass. He just needs to wait a little further and he'd be fine. 30 seconds. Okay. 30 seconds. Pulls out not even remotely close enough space to pass before he's head on with the semi. So the first semi slams on his brakes. The second semi swerves over into the borrow pit and goes around the semi that slammed on his brakes. And now all of a sudden I'm coming up on the semi that slammed on his brakes. And so I have to jump over down into the borrow pit as well for this 
for school a, bus. For an, was it an act, like an activity bus? Yeah, like the ones you'd see taking in just in blaze around the side, Fergus County Golden Eagles. So I immediately called the school. You did? Yeah. Good. I said, whoever's, I need to talk to whoever's in charge of your bus drivers because you just about killed your whole bus full of kids. I couldn't believe it. Like <gasps> I, I was in, I couldn't believe that it, it attempted that pass with not even close. And it, it almost wrecked two semis and in, in me with them. So they put you in touch with the bus guys? Left a message. Yeah, they went to a voicemail, but literally wait 30 seconds and there's a double passing line that they could have used. It's amazing the lack of decision, the lack of, I don't know what the word is, but just the lack of brain power that goes into so many decisions that you see day to day on the road. That happens every day on the road. Every single day, there's one instance like that. Anyway, we'll go back to your tip you were given. Okay, so you saw the follow up with them guys too. Make sure, call them back. Make sure you get to razz somebody about that. I mean... Fergus County's had some bad bus wrecks over the years. So mm. that is important. So you saw the video of the trucker in the parking lot. A lot of you listening have probably seen this. Half of you listening have sent it to me in a direct message. Thank you for the opportunity, by the way, for myself to be able to observe that video 16,000 times. <laughs> but anyway, it's this trucker. And, and I'm, I'll just kind of set this up for you. The camera is like this. He pans to the right to his passenger seat. And over here... It's his window just completely entombed in snow. And you're like, whoa. And then half of his front windshield's covered in snow. And then he walks out of his truck, walks out in front and turns the camera around. And it's his truck is basically buried in a snow drift. The truck next to him is like entirely buried in a snow drift. And then it just progressively stared to steps down to where the, you know, the very first truck doesn't really have any snow on it. And it's, it's just pretty like awesome. Like, whoa, that's some crazy nature's power there, you know, on display. And, you know, beyond that, of course, now you need to go, what's the lesson to learn here? Like, there's a lesson to this. So what is it? And uh, I'll tell you, this is actually an old tip that Billy Jack laid down on me once. And because I was, I got stuck in a snowstorm and I don't remember how it came up, but I, I'm always like, I don't like to idle my truck. So when I was parked there, I was there for almost two days in West Yellowstone, Montana. And I, I didn't want to idle my truck. So I'd shut it off to save fuel. Then like six hours later, I'd get pretty cold inside. So I'd reach my hand out of it. It was in an old Peterbilt cab over and I'd fire it up, let it warm up. But then when I let it warm up, this is the trick. You get in the driver's seat and you drive forward and make tracks and pack the snow down. I mean, drive out to wherever you need to be, wherever your route out is when the road's open, make a path as far as you can and then back, back into your spot. And in my case, I was probably 50 yards off the highway in a pullout. And so I would make tracks directly to the highway and then back, back into my little spot like a spider. And then I'd come out and every few hours I'd do that because I got nothing else to do. I'm literally sitting on the side of the road with nothing to do. And this was even, I think, in kind of the early cell phone days where you were worried about data and you're like, well, I can't even get on the internet. I'll use all my data and stuff. So you're just sitting there in the cold in the mountains. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're in a truck stop or on the side of the road and the wind's raging and the snow's coming down, do not sit there and allow yourself to just become mummified in a snow drift. Like you have nothing to do. So the one productive thing that you can do is move your truck. So, I mean, that was a cool video and you're like, oh, man, that's crazy. 
but that's what happens if you just let it happen. Like you don't have to be a total victim and they got so much snow. Maybe the parking lot would have drifted, but you gotta, it was quite obvious. Nobody really did anything. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that before where guys get stuck and you're like, Oh, you gotta get after it a little bit. You got nothing going on. I don't know that this is as big of an issue in a, in a semi, but with, with vehicles, sometimes people get buried, you know, waiting for emergency services. Oh yeah. You mentioned that carbon monoxide poisoning. They'll mm -hmm. leave their vehicle running with the windows all up and then they get drifted over and they'll get, they'll die from carbon monoxide poisoning. That's crazy. But you have to get a pretty good drift to. Yeah. But you know, in semis, it's not uncommon to get carbon monoxide poisoning. Mm. Usually they'll catch it in time and then get sick in the sleeper. Like, man, I'm just feeling sick because all your exhaust on the semi runs underneath the sleeper. So if you get any kind of, you know, breakage or whatever in your exhaust pipe, which is very common, that smoke is going to just kind of waft up through the floor of your semi. If you drive Freightliner cabos, you don't have that problem because there's so many <laughs> leaks, so much air coming through the doors and the windows. So there's no way it could ever happen. How did they create a truck so cold as a Freightliner cab over? It's like, I mean, for Florida driving, oh, you got to put on your muck boots. You got to put on your blankets, your coveralls, your coat, gloves, hat. You're just totally bundled sitting there. I did, you guys, I did actually last week put a carbon monoxide detector in the bottom of my sleeper because, you know, driving a truck up and down the road, it's like, it's a pretty uh, easy fix. Ponderé Hooterite Colony just had a death from carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, I didn't know. Yep. Child, I think, was airlifted to Salt Lake hyperbaric chamber and oh, that death really carbon monoxide poisoning didn't make it so that those carbon monoxide detectors you know it's, it's serious business <laughs> dang so, so it's yeah anyway uh, yeah i had a since we've talked last i had an, another first out on the roads i've hit deer before and i posted this on instagram some people <laughs> might have seen this my did you see this picture rooster no oh. so i <laughs> i was taking my kid up to the ski hill it was over, over New Year's, they have like a three-day ski camp. So the first day, you got to get up there and get registered. We like to get early because you get a bunch of kids and you're standing in line waiting for all the registered. Like to get up to the head of that. So we're going along just just that kind of weird light, right? Right not dark, right not light. And I, I little buck jumped out and tried to beat me across the road. And I just, I just saw him enough to just see, man, almost his ears laid back and his head stretched pushing and mm -hmm. hit the front of the hit the front of the truck i've got a nice grill guard on there for this reason that you just put on like days before <laughs> yeah fairly recently <laughs> which i had hardly driven the truck yeah. at night because of that anyway it hit smacked him pretty good he flipped around and hit my door did some damage to the door i pulled over to make sure he was dead and as soon as i and to assess damage as soon as i got out of the truck i just heard this sound yeah, right away <laughs> which my first thought was something underneath the truck got ripped out uh, and I, so I'm, I'm starting to look and see where i can see fluid just going anywhere and then i as i'm looking i realize that his antler is punched into my tire so i'd hit this deer and somehow his, his antler had broken off in the impact and either punched the tire or it was on the ground so quickly i ran over it i don't, I don't know what happened it punched a pretty good hole in it, so my tire was flat well, within. Seconds. I mean, an antler's like even a small little antler is going to be like your pinky size at the tip of it. I mean, <laughs> so that's a pretty good puncture. Have you heard of that? So the tire shops that said, "Oh, you know, tractors a lot of times will come over." You know, a, a deer has shed out in the pasture, and you're 
out driving around and tractor will run over so he'll get tractor tires but i've never i've never experienced a, a horn punching through my tire before and there's probably been no one on the face of the earth that has hit more deer than me and i've never seen that yeah before. right what a goofy <laughs> i think it was his last dying way to just be like you know what you end me a little early <clears throat> this is what i'm doing to you yeah so that was yeah so then we get up there to the ski hill you know and kind of get settled in and then it's got got my kid off into his class and ski and i went up to use the, the restroom and it was full and so i i leaned against the wall just waiting for something to open up and a few other guys walked in it's kind of a group and they came around the corner and saw it was full and they they looked at me and said are you in line they said no i'm just observing <laughs> said, when, I, when i get cold i like to come in and just observe in here while i warm up everyone at the urinals heads almost in unison <laughs> flipped around backwards to see who this weirdo was and then and kind of all at once everyone realized that of course i'm waiting <laughs> i've never because i mean <laughs> How many times do you go into like a fat, like a McDonald's or something, whatever. And there's obviously that's when you're like, Hey, have you, have you ordered, you know? Cause everyone's kind of just waiting around. So there I can see, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But in a bathroom, like, you guys, what, what in the world else would I be doing here? Do you think? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that, had, that had happened. You know, I, uh, I also lately came across an article about a private prisons. Oh, uh-huh. and I did that. I think we, when we talked about when I was working in the prison, doing dentistry in there through COVID, that the prison I worked in is a private prison. You have mentioned, yep. So for anyone who hasn't heard those episodes or if I didn't adequately describe it, our country has lots and lots and lots of private prisons. And it's a big flashpoint for people who push prison reform. And one of the big reasons is if you monetize the incarceration of people, there's going to be lobbying and every incentive to lobby for stiffer sentences to keep people in jail longer because someone's making money off of it. I can understand that argument and I don't know that I disagree with that argument. At the same time, anything that's privatized can do it cheaper than government. So if people are going to be incarcerated, it can be done cheaper in private prisons. I can understand that argument as well. But the fact is we have private prisons in the United States and I worked in one. Yep. Montana does not have enough space at the Montana State Prison to house inmates. And so they, they contract with a private prison. And so this article I was reading was talking about how much worse off inmates are in private prisons, much higher incidences of assaults, of rule breaking, of just, it's more dangerous for inmates. Lib- librarians like, being assaulted. So it, what they were doing in what this article was actually referencing back to an attorney's general report that president biden used to sign an executive order for the u.s department of justice to not renew contracts with private prisons it doesn't affect states states can contract but the federal government now cannot contract with private prisons and so this article was referencing kind of the reasons why it was not my experience in the private prison that i worked in at all and i wanted to just tell you why I think private prisons may not be as bad as government run prisons. Yeah. So private prisons go through perpetual audits, always under audit. They're being audited by 
the state in in medical ways and in in the treatment of the just the way the jails run they're they're under audit all the time and they're very intense audits and these audits if you don't pass you can lose your contract which end up being you know tens hundreds of million dollars a year contract so these private prisons well and it's not like you can repurpose and do something else not like well we're going to manufacture something different like you screw up it's it's a prison like what else are you going to do with it so when i worked there there was always this really high stress intensity amongst a large part of the administration because there's always audits going on and they i mean they're checking minute little things uh-huh. but when you sign a contract for instance montana contracts with this private prison the company is called core civic and so the state outlines all of the requirements that core civic has to meet to honor the contract the so the um but the state does not hold themselves to the same standard. Okay. Well, that sounds, so, sounds about right. So this is like that, that attorney's general report that Biden used to sign his executive order. So to be clear, you, you firmly believe that private prisons are held to a way higher standard. They operate on a way higher, better plane. Based off of my experience mm-hmm. working in one. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but yes, absolutely. That's what we have here. And I'm going to give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Okay. And it'll make sense. So this attorney's general report that Biden used to sign this executive order to not renew contracts with private prisons went through a bunch of statistics, how contraband was higher in private prisons, sexual assaults were higher, other just like violent assaults were higher. Thus, private prisons are a much worse environment. So this is, we're going to go away from prisons. I'm going to give an example of what that means from the way I looked at it. When we lived in California for a period of time, the area where my in-laws live is a a well-off nice area. And they had recently had over the previous few months, a huge increase in home break-ins, vehicle break-ins. And it was becoming alarming to everyone in the area because nothing seemed to be safe anymore, which was traditionally a pretty safe, quiet area. And I, there was a police officer I was talking to about it and he goes well here's the thing the state reclassified what a felony is so it used to be like i don't remember the exact numbers like 300 dollars damage or theft was a felony mm-hmm. but they changed it to like 1200 dollars now was so now you can steal and do a lot more and it's not a felony so the crime rates that they track actually decreased because they made not because crime in, crime actually increased mm-hmm. crime increased <laughs> because they slacked but the state the lawmakers who passed this were applauding them saying look we passed this and look at what a big decrease in crime we've had <laughs> so the reporting standard was lessened so they had less crime even though more crime was taking place mm-hmm. but it looked like less too. so in the in this private prison the standard that is held to that is enforced by auditing at the risk of losing a contract is much, much higher than what Montana state prison itself holds itself to. A good example of this is George Bush signed an act in a place called the prison elimination act, prison reform, prison rape elimination act. And they it's P R E A and everyone calls it PREA. He signed it into effect and then it was put on states to implement it. And they were given a time frame to implement it. So private prisons also have to implement it. In the case of Montana, the core civic private prison was, says, here's the, here's the act. It needs to be implemented. And then 
it has to pass an audit that you are that you've met all the requirements and you are implementing it so they went to work created all the protocols all the rules all the everything around this this PRIA act this prison rape elimination act and first year they passed it which it holds any suspicion of anything that would would be considered prison rape or sexual assaults amongst inmates guards guard on inmate inmate on inmate anything it's an extreme high investigation reporting standard it took the state of montana multiple years i don't even know if they passed their audit when i was working there they still i don't still think they still passed, passed their audit from a george bush era so <laughs> regulation prison had to pass it first year and they're audited every single year by the state of montana that they held the standard but the state of montana still had not passed their audit to the point that the private prison had to come in and teach the state so jeez and and i could go on a number of of different reporting standards where it's much higher in a private prison so when you have a much more extreme and narrow definition of assault contraband etc you're going to have way higher rates just like if your if your felony is at three hundred dollars, yeah, you're gonna have way more felonies than if your felony is at twelve hundred dollars, right? Even though the crime is actually the same or higher. So when I hear all these these things about the prison, the private prisons being so horrible, I I don't discount that there's truth to that, but you're not comparing apples to apples. Because what for? So if I follow this correct, what is contraband in a state prison may not be considered and reported as contraband as per that report in a it'll probably be considered it but they don't enforce it gotcha but at the private prison during the audit this stuff comes out and if you're not every little single thing investigated reported everything you can lose your contract so the state or the government runs is just a much less high standard No, Biden will probably wish he hadn't signed that when he ends up in a federal prison instead of a federal, <laughs> yeah. instead of a private, instead of a private prison. <laughs> it would be the most unbelievable thing if him and Trump were, they can work and were cellmates <laughs> together. Dude, I would be down for that. But so I had a kind of a, a funny story about that, that <laughs> prison rape elimination act. So within the prison, it, it's referred to as PREA. So sometimes if an inmate well, inmates are frisked everywhere they go, checking for for contraband. They're weapons. frisked, and apparently they get frisky <laughs> because they had to pass this but act. If, if there is a an inmate who has an issue with a guard, uh-huh. they will f- almost always file a priya <gasps> against the guard because he's like, "Oh, when he was frisking me, he was going up too high." On, oh, you know. and that's like their way to. It's like it's their way to get back at the guard. Yeah. but okay. everything has to be investigated and. And so it's very common for, for officers, prison guards to have had PREA complaints against them. It's kind of just it's like you have one. Did you get any as a dentist? I didn't. Um, <laughs> That's good. But when I went through that, the, the beginning academy, when you first start working there, there was a new officer coming in. He was from Florida. And right away, he told us that he'd been homeschooled. He's one of like 15 kids out in the, out in the Everglades, somewhere deep in the, in the woods. Mm. They've been homeschooled and home churched. Mm. I said, I, I've heard of homeschooling. I've never heard home church. Home church. I think that you can use your imagination to form the rest of the picture of, yeah. you know, this kid. Especially in the Everglades. Like, yeah. A little bit backwards, but anyway, we got, he went off and did officer thing and I'd been doing dental and I hadn't seen him for a, a number of weeks after academy and he happened to be assigned 
to someone in medical and was walking through and he popped in to say hi. And asked him what was going on and he said, oh, I got my first Priya. And um, so I kind of laughed and said, man, they told us in class that you're not supposed to be, you know, you're not supposed to be dropping the soap and watching these guys pick it up, you know, kind of teasing them a little bit. You know, I said, I know that you guys work long hours and it gets a little lonely, but you know, you got to stay strong. I was kind of rousing him a little bit about it. And, you know, he was laughing, I was laughing and on he goes and. When he left, I, I just kind of chuckled, said, man, I can't believe it. That's pretty funny. And my dental assistant was sitting at her desk and she's real quiet. I go, man, can you believe of all the people have to do? Of course you wouldn't. She's like, she was, I, I don't think it's funny. She was, oh. in, fact, in fact, I think it's really sad. And, and I, was, I was like, oh, oh okay. <clears throat> so I went back and started doing my notes and was thinking about it. And I finally told, turned and said, hey. Yeah, I, I can understand that might not be funny. I go, but I cannot get my head around why it's sad like that. Like I'm not getting my head around that. <laughs> and I, I'm going through every scenario why it's sad. Like I've got the not funny part. You know, that's not funny for everyone. And she goes, you think it's funny that he got raped? <laughs> oh, no. No <laughs> way. Go, go, what? She goes, it is just not funny. It's really sad that he it got is, raped by an inmate. It is not a joke. And I go, wait. You're not getting it. (laughs) Nothing happened to him. An inmate didn't like the way he was frisked, and so he filed this Priya complaint. (laughs) And then, and she sat there for a while, and then she kind of started giggling and said, "Okay, I guess I can see that's funny now." Can you imagine from her point of view what she's? As you two are laughing, he's got his head in there, and you guys are joking, and she's over there going. How can this guy be laughing? He just got raped by an inmate. And he's in here teasing <laughs> with the dentist about it. Oh, man. Yep. Oh, that's good. Yep. It, that was a, a pretty fun one. <laughs> you know, about the time that that was happening, I was having an allergic response to something. And I mostly I was getting like hives on the bottom of my feet that were real itchy. It was, it huh. was so uncomfortable. Sometimes I get them up my side a little bit. And it was going on for about a month month and a half and I couldn't figure out what I was having a reaction to and one day I woke up and it was particularly bad right in the middle of my lower back I got some really big hives a little bit swollen real itchy and went to work and it it, it progressed about half the day real uncomfortable and then it it just all went away but as I was I don't know if I should even tell this it's kind of funny but (laughs) I was sitting on the sitting kind of on my dental stool and I was I was getting real uncomfortable felt like like I didn't have room in my pants. <laughs> Just a little tight. Like, it felt like my testicles are swelling. <laughs> oh, oh, like and you and you'd had all this, so you're a little worried. And I thought, and so I was like, is this allergic response getting to this point? <laughs> like it's progressing, and it continued as the day went on. It got worse and worse to the point where it was I wasn't in my head. It like visually was was this before the urine injection? Years or was later, this, this was after. So this could be yeah, a. This just happened a couple years. Ago. <laughs> okay. But I, I thought I was having a, an allergic response, but it got like visually like twice swollen up normal. My, so my really, testicles. they were half, there was happening for sure. Okay. For sure. <laughs> Didn't just feel like it. I mean, yeah, you're worried physically like, ah, but psychologically for a guy that this is concerning. <laughs> so I, it got to the point I finally went into the nurse practitioner and at the prison and I told him like, Hey, I'm going to need your help with something here. And I, <laughs> told him what's going on 
And I said, I, th- I think, could this be an allergic response? You know, this is what I've been having. And he just started laughing. <laughs> he goes, man, he goes, you had a big histamine response on your lower back, a ton of fluid to that area. And when it goes away, that fluid drains to the lowest point. <laughs> just drain to the lowest point. Just see my legs and swelled up. Oh. Watertight. Man. Oh. <laughs> What's that? Like a couple of prison things came to mind this last week. So did you go upside down on the wall or something to let it reverse flow? <laughs> right back out my mouth. <laughs> oh, goodness. We've been posting these, uh, these episodes to the new... We started this Steady at the Wheel podcast channel. So yeah. anyone who, who was watching this on YouTube and wondered why it's not on Wild Wild West anymore, we started a dedicated Steady at the Wheel channel. So you can go on there and get subscribed to it. But I've been posting some of the older videos that were on your channel to it. And yeah. the one where the dental hygienist with me in the prison went through that attack. I was getting that posted and I was writing, I was looking at other videos about dentistry in prison. And I came across one of a, a woman who'd been in prison was telling a bad experience with the dentist in prison. And she said something that is one of my biggest pet peeves with dentistry. Oh, And it's also going to point out immediately a liar. <laughs> okay so she starts saying she needed a tooth out and i was just kind of scanning through it and she was like next thing i knew he literally literally literally, says this, yeah, he literally had his knee on my chest <laughs> pulling his tooth out i can't tell you how many times i've had people tell me oh i had this one dentist he literally had his knee on my chest literally <laughs> it, it's not true like for one thing i don't know how a knee on a chest is why would you that do leverage. anything the only way you I need can, maybe a knee on the forehead to hold their head down. No, the maybe only, even then. No, no, no. The only way I could possibly see where putting any other part of your body, your body on their body to get leverage was if somehow you were able to get a vice grip type situation on a tooth and you're able to put literally your foot on their face literally and push with your foot while you're pulling the opposite <laughs> direction. You probably as a kid at some point been trying to pull something you can get a foot on. Yeah, it. put it in really. <laughs> yeah, of course you're not going to have a dentist put his foot in face. So if anyone, if anyone out there is saying, yeah, dentist literally put his knee on my chest to pull his tooth out, it, no, he didn't. And second, if anyone ever tells you, you can say, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. You now have the authority. I just picture this, yeah, knee on the chest, vice grips in the mouth, and just pulling in the patient's head, just going boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Uh, what, yeah, what's it gonna do yeah so if anyone so so don't ever say that please rooster even has all this experience in detusking the boars and in all my years holding the rope i don't think i ever saw to see rooster use any kind of foot knee leverage to get a tusk out of a boar even at first i don't know how you're getting leverage to get a tooth out with a knee on the chest it doesn't make sense to me where the the physics are giving you more leverage the second if you were able to gain a bunch more leverage by doing that, you're going to break a jaw or you're going to snap a tooth. <laughs> so you've, which you don't want to do either one of those. So over leveraging a tooth is not good because you're going to break it anyway. Uh-huh. It's just, it's just, it's such a, oh man, that gets under my skin when people say that. Well, I'll tell you, me, me and Jax had a little experience yesterday where we were removing something. Oh, we did actually. And that we needed all the leverage. It was the first. It was a first for both of us and a first for Rooster. who has been around doing this for a long time. 50 pound feed bag out of the back of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't have the skid suited loaded into. Not. <laughs> I know. We had a neighbor that's having little difficulties and she wanted to know if we could take her, her milk cow for a while. 
and of course we said oh, yeah and she said what what do i, I said nothing one cow's not gonna make any difference but when i went to pick the cow she's got nice sharp horns and i could tell by the way she really knew what to do with them so i put her in with jackson's kids little calves for a day or two to get her acclimated and she's she's really bossing those calves around with those horns so like to where they won't and what they'll do, like they won't even let them eat. Like the calves will come in and try to eat some hay and she just does this big old swath, the kind of thing with her head and all the calves just scatter. And so it can be problematic, right? Because they don't, they're, and we've got they're not good at sharing. Our cows are either muley, which means they don't have horns or we dehorn them. So I said, I'm going to have to dehorn this cow. She'll have a 10 foot swath of hay where nothing can get close to it. Let's put her in the chute and we've got good dehorners. I could not. I didn't have enough strength to squeeze the handles, which were what three three feet long at yeah, least. Yeah, they're big long handles, and and the dehorner is basically like a guillotine style deal, where you know you open the handles up wide and the jaws open up, and then as you close the handles, these two sharp jaws close across each other, and and very quick, nice and easy, clean. Usually takes me about a half second. Yeah, just. Whoosh, mm-hmm. We put it on, and I mean, Rooster's like, and and Rooster still is like the strongest thing out there. And for him to ask my help probably only increases the force by about five to eight (laughs) percent is all. (laughs) Even me with me and Rooster both on, couldn't couldn't get him. So she still got her horns. No, I I moved an inch or so away from the skull and tried it again. I usually like to do it nice and clean right next to the skull. So I moved out about an inch and. We got him, but it was every, every bit of power yeah. we could put on him. So was the owner of this cow going to have a surprise when she gets home? Or did you guys go ahead and get the well, consent before? When I picked it up, I said, do you care if I dehorn this cow? And she said, do whatever you want. She's in your herd. I think she probably just didn't get dehorned because, you know, neighbor didn't have the way to, you kind of have to have the shoot and all Only stuff. had one so cow. Probably just didn't have the means and or the need. But, but we got her, so... Mm. We, and, and even then, we did not put a knee anywhere on the cow. No knees. Well, maybe that was the problem. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> well, those horns were hard. Whew. So we're on this. Now we're kind of morphed into this mm, pet little thing. I saw another video. Uh, I, by the way, I'm getting so... I'm kind of... Instagram is really starting to annoy me. It's starting to feel like, like a TikTok thing. Where it's just like, there's, there's not much, I'm not going to say there's no, but there's not much good content on Instagram anymore. Like when I first joined Instagram in 2014, it was a lot of, it was like people sharing their craft, which I liked for me. That was my thing. Like I could follow a couple different mechanics and they would kind of daily or weekly show some videos like, Hey, you ever run into this? It's how you fix it. You know, really like that. Or you know, it's a couple of different truck drivers that were into restoring these old cab overs and whatnot. Really cool stuff. But as the years have gone by, like 90% of what is on Instagram anymore is like mindless junk. I'm like, where's all the good stuff go? I recently found an account and I should have looked it up to plug it, but it's a mechanic again, who's showing tips and tricks for trucks. I'm like, Oh, hey, that is what Instagram should be about. Instead of just people like mouthing other people's funny lines, like moving. Anyway. So this video that has brought me to this subject came up on Instagram and it was a school bus going around a community making pickups. Now, typically a school bus picks up 
children and takes them to school. But this particular bus was traveling around picking up people's personal pets and giving them a seat on the bus. And they didn't go any further in the video. I don't know where they, I think, I assume they were taking them to some kind of a pet school like place. And like, like they're there, they, you know, like got like little backpacks on them and stuff. It was, it was really weird. Let me guess this was in California. (laughs) You remember what you said last week? (laughs) I don't know where it was, but uh, it's led me to this question for you because I would say of all of our six kids in the family that you are, you're probably the most pets. What's the word? I don't know. You've had the most pets of all of us over the years. And the can, most soft, compassionate. Yeah, most thoughts yeah, of pets. Yeah, thoughtful and compassionate of all the six of us. So you've had all these, you've had a lot of dogs over the years, even a few cats. Luke is kind of a cat person a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah. But, but yet, in a world that we live in now where my beef with this is everyone's gotten so weird. I'm just going to say it because it's true and nobody wants to admit it. People have gotten so weird about their pets. Like it used to just be like a, a sweet little old lady that was real lonely, would have her little poodle with her everywhere. Now it's like people everywhere, like they can't get along without their little dog or their f- fur kids and stuff. And like, they've like moved their pets into the replacement of humans. Like they're like, well, we don't need to have kids anymore because we have, we have fur babies. And I'm like, <laughs> that is a little different. It's a little different. So how have you gone all this time having these pets? And like, but not falling into this weird culture, this strange phenomena in society where people are like childrenifying their pets. I think it simply comes to that I respect my pets. I really respect mm-hmm. my animals. Okay. I can't think of anything, anything more disrespectful to a dog than to try and equate it to a human. Uh-huh. I mean, the ability of a dog in so many aspects is so beyond what we're capable of to try and drag them down to our level it's extremely disrespectful i think that's why i think that's why i have never done that or allowed it to happen Uh like even putting a a handkerchief around a dog's neck just makes my blood boil Uh to me it's extremely (laughs) disrespectful to the nobility of the dog Uh it's interesting way to look at it you know they are an extremely capable and amazing animal they really, well, they really are like in the case of like, like here, like a good cow dog on the ranch. They're like amazing. And to, to disrespect him, uh, to me, it's just extreme disrespect. Uh-huh. It's uncomfortable. It, it's uncomfortable to me because it's, yeah. Yeah. You're just extremely disrespecting that nobility and the, the capability of what the animal is by, by putting your energies into trying to make it be your kid or your baby. Yeah. Versus putting your energies into helping maximize the working relationship between you and the dog, you're diminishing that dog. Huh. No matter what you think, you're absolutely you diminishing are. it. Yeah. That dog doesn't want to be a person or a kid. It wants to be a dog. And when you're able to tap into what that dog wants to be, I mean, then there's really, a lot of power in that between uh-huh. a, a dog owner or, you know. I'm really glad you put it that way. That's actually pretty profound. I think it's not, it's not like an anti dog think like we're not and i'm not anti-pets at all i love love dogs love you know cats keep so many mice away from our house <laughs> like i park the cab overs at our house in the winter because i don't want to get mice in them you know out on the ranch there's so much ground to cover uh, even a cat can do amazing things 
in if you let them do what they want, which is they are like a little predator, right? Do what they're capable of. Yeah. Maybe not do what they want. <laughs> well, a cat, good luck controlling them. Right. They just, yeah, right. <laughs> but, but I, mean, I mean, they need to be, have some obedience like a dog, but, but like you're, that's so right. And I've never heard that before as a, as a reasoning why not to dive into this weirdness that it doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't matter how old you are anymore. It's like young couples get into this old. I mean, I understand it with kind of lonely older folks needing that companionship and having that kind of weird dynamic, but but it's everywhere now. Yeah, it is a little, a little bit goofy. Yeah. So I, I don't that school bus thing. Do you think it's legit? Or do you think it's just done up for a video to make people think uh, something's really cute? I actually saw the same video was on the news. Was it? So it's probably it's got to be true then. It's got to be true <laughs> for sure. It was on CNN. It had to be. On CNN or Fox. They thought it was so cute that these dogs knew where their seat was. He'd pull up and open the door and the dog would jump in and go down the aisle and jump up in his seat. It's just gross. It's gross to me. I'm like, this is gross. This is not. And it's funny because a lot of the same people will think like, it is so wrong to have cows out there in the pasture. Like, how can you have domestic cows? And you're like, you got a dog dressed up in a coat, sleeping on your bed, like under your covers, man. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, man. (laughs) Well, we're getting closer on here. I, th- I think we should end with coming back, circling around while Roost is here to that, that Billy Jack episode. Did you go back and watch or listen to it? I did. What'd you think? Yeah, I'm a little self-conscious, but I thought it, was, it brought back good memories. After recording that, I, I was a little bit discombobulated for a couple of days, I'm going to admit. <laughs> and I don't, know, I don't know why. It made me like extremely nostalgic. Yeah. But like sad nostalgic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a weird emotion. I think it was the, you know what I, I think it was, is I have always been a little bit envious of particularly soldiers who develop some really intense relationships, lifelong close relationships with guys who they've been through some, some pretty rough things with. And I think that that's exactly what you and, you and Billy Jack talking <laughs> about. You guys went through some, like those stories are real funny and crazy, but when you're in the middle of them, you didn't think they were funny. <laughs> Miserable. Like, oh yeah. You're like, this is end of the world type. Like how situations. are we going to get out of here? Like, like, yeah, we talk about that Browning thing, you know, getting stuck on the hill and Browning. But if you think about the reality of that situation, it's like, we might freeze up, but there's no phones. There's no, there's nothing. We're just, we're stuck out here. I'm sure it's funny now, but. I don't think there's many laughs going on. But when you go through that with, with people, you develop a, different relationship and i think part of that after that episode which kind of discombobulated me was just realizing how difficult it is to maybe not even possible in the society we the way we live now to have experiences like that yeah but it's those experiences that develop such deeper relationships you know meaningful Mm. steve ranella some of you listeners might know him he has that meat eater show on uh, netflix Mm. which you know where he goes and documents hunting i was listening to his podcast and he was talking about easy fun and hard fun. And he goes, you don't remember easy fun. Mm. And hard fun isn't fun when you're doing it. <laughs> years later. But he, he was given the example of, he's talking about some hunts that he's gone on that, that went a little bit south. You know, weather, rough, it, it didn't go good. And he goes, it, those are the things that he looks back on. It was like, that was the funnest hunt I've ever been on. Yet when he was in it, it was, it was miserable. Whereas, you know, you go to, you know, you go to an amusement park and go on some rides. That's easy fun. You don't remember that. Right. A month later, you don't really remember it. No. And I think that that episode, all those stories was a lot of laughing and how fun, you know, 
<laughs> it was really hard fun. A lot of those stories. Well, it was like they would talk about what popped into my head again. This last trip that I was on was that just as simple as this. They drove 55 miles an hour everywhere. I mean, go try to drive 55 miles an hour for the next hour anywhere. And next road trip you go on, go try that. It, okay. You know? And then when you're like, that wasn't so bad. Now put only an AM radio on, uh-huh. no phone, no satellite radio, no podcast, no anything. <laughs> Yeah. Other yeah, than nothing. an AM radio, which might work sometimes. Yeah. In, in between, you know, you got some gray zones. You have to change stations all the time. Oh, you have to know all the different stations. One will work for 50 to miles. To basically get the same programming over and over and over. Same song, same, you know. I remember trucking with you and it seemed like you knew almost <laughs> to the mile marker and time of day where you could pick up stations. You know, there's some that you could pick up from a long ways away only at this time of night. On this <laughs> yeah. stretch. <laughs> And then, then it's gone, you know. You know, when I remember, and I don't even know this, this player, some of you older baseball fans remember, I remember loading pigs and billings, crawling into the back of the bunk in the cab over and laying back there and hearing Colorado's Rockies games and the name Andres Galarraga. He was some big star for the Rockies back then, back in the late 90s or whatever. And it, that's all I remember was Andres Galarraga. And dad's just like... KOA out of that was on KOA out of Denver. Great, great coverage. Just over and over. And but when we'd leave on Tuesdays, you'd get Dr. Laura Schlesinger, the marriage and counseling gal from like Great Falls to Eddie's Corner. And then it would fuzz out and then nothing until Billings. And then Billings, it was KOA at night. (laughs) But you remember that Rush Limbaugh sometimes was mixed in there from the old days. Yeah. So uh, so remember hard fun. Seek yeah. it. Seek it out. You know, that reminds me of a few hunting trips that were hard fun. I'll maybe I'll bring up sometime. But yeah. The most horrible experiences of my life. And now they're fun. And to look back on them, I think, wow, that was pretty cool. You know, my, uh, my kid told me the other day, he goes, Dad, you know now bad things don't really happen anymore. Because now you can just talk about it on the podcasts. <laughs> so that was his take. <laughs> How old is he? Six. Six. So. I think he's realized he's been in some situations where I might've been a little bit intense. And then he's heard me laughing about on the podcast. So he's like, yeah, <laughs> I so, love that. You know, kind of hard versus easy fun. It's all good content. <laughs> all right. I know you got to get on the road. You guys got a show. Yeah. Yeah. We're right. playing a little music here later on. And Rooster, remember those hunting stories, write them down, start writing this stuff down. I'd be curious. All right, guys. So we appreciate the support. We have started steady at the wheel channel on YouTube. It's difficult, you guys. It's hard to start a channel. So we've talked about this a little bit. I'm going to start getting more serious about it on my YouTube channel to try to get this going. But it's a lot of work to start from scratch, essentially, which is what we've done with this podcast. And then, you know, we put a few of those videos on Wild Wild West, just to get some feelers out and see how things were looking and, and garner a little interest. Now we've moved that to its own so that it can, you know, really get the attention it, it needs over time and direct focus. And so we need to hate calling in asks and favors, but really, if you can get over there, set up a YouTube account, if for no other reason, some of these podcasts that you listen to, you're going to want to go back, even if it's just a certain part of an episode, you're going to want to go back and see what our faces were doing or because like with Billy Jack and Rooster, so half of the storytelling was in the their face. Yeah, you have to see some of that. So keep that in mind. It's a huge help to get a channel off the ground if you just go subscribe to it. Right. Just go, even if you never go watch a video, if you go and hit the subscribe button, that's a huge help to getting this off the ground. Yeah. We do 
we have talked a lot about, and this is something as we try and free up time, we want to bring to that that podcast channel more than just posting a, a visual version of the podcast. We would like to start doing, I think, not calling it Stay Through a University. But, <laughs> but like some education. Some education mm-hmm. stuff. We'd like to video different road conditions get out and look at the roads, you know, driving in them from the vehicle and talk about ways to handle them. Even things, you know, Jackson, when he's, when he's fueling up the things he's checking on his truck and why he's checking them, you know, little easy, more common problems you might run into on the road mechanically and, and what he does to fix those, you know, what, you know, we just like to have a, have some more educational type stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Again, we, from the beginning, we it talked about how we kind of lamented the loss of mentorship and trucking. Part of that is old guys telling younger guys stories and we're hoping to try and bring that a little bit. But another thing is just some of the practical wisdom mm-hmm. that you get. And we would like to to create some some video content around that. So please do go subscribe on there. That that does help us in, in progressing that and get to that point. And hey, here's one other cool thing. I And this is kind of maybe a little bit of a far out idea right now, and I'm not sure how to do it properly, but had a few messages about this after the the ground blizzard episode about, you know, where I had my friend let me park in his shop that night. And, and then I talked about the importance of having, taking time to, to make relationships and have connections. I had two or three people send messages through Instagram that mentioned it'd be kind of cool to have some sort of a, almost like a, I don't know, a directory or a network where someone's like, Hey, I'm so-and-so kind of part of the, part of the family. You know, you're, I'm a wheeler from, from Northern Colorado, you know, and it's as simple as if you have a, get in trouble there, you can, you know, call me as a resource. I know some of the mechanics around. I know who who might come out and help you and who's a waste of your time just to kind of make this cool, like this network of family, so to speak, you know, down the road, I think would be pretty dang cool. You so know what I, as I'm getting older and I realize my, especially going to that funeral this morning with my contemporaries, this, this fellow passed along as a contemporary, but there's so much stuff I haven't passed on to you guys. It just is starting to drive me nuts. Just like my whole, uh, Highlight of my life growing up was fishing and, and hunting trips back in the mountains with horses. And I haven't taught any of you guys how to pack. Yeah. I mean, there's so many tricks and knots, and I just need to get some of this information in, inculcated in you guys before I take the final ride. Yeah. Yeah. It's all in that vein, for well, sure. Yeah. So, again, Steady at the Wheel on YouTube is the podcast. Please go there and subscribe. Jackson's Wild Wild West channel. Oh, his farming. I mean, his ranching. (laughs) But you're good with Taylor. Taylor likes the farm. His his ranching and and trekking adventures. Steady the Wheel podcast on Instagram and Steady the Wheel podcast at Gmail. So we're we're trying to progress this. Yeah. I think the next episodes you're going to like. It's our little brother Weston's in town. Oh, that's right. Weston's coming in. We're going to some more good stories Mm -hmm. there. So until then, everybody. Bye.